Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. We uh, praise God for the worship team that just led us. Um, I get the privilege of hanging out with them from time to time at rehearsals. And, you know, I just believe it's important for us to give honor where honor is due. And uh, they're here Thursdays chatting in group meetings throughout the week to prepare uh, the, the course for us to be able to experience God's presence. And uh, just want to thank you guys for, for doing that and all of what you do and um, just allowing us to experience God's presence. Amen. And I think that's especially important because, um, I don't know, I don't know who this is for, this is not in my notes or anything, but the reality is the scriptures say that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And it was amazing how even as we were singing and, and our sister Liz was talking, us, talking to us about how there is freedom in surrender and there's this kind of oxymoron, this kind of paradox with the fact that we don't normally think of surrender as giving up and giving something away, but this idea that we can truly be who we are when we understand and submit ourselves to the fact that we were made for his pleasure and made for his glory. And that's a message that oftentimes throughout the week we need to hear. So I just want to encourage all of us, that as we go into this week, let's make sure that we're reminding ourselves of what God says is true, um, to kind of deprogram ourselves from uh, the things that we often hear in the world. And, um, and I think that's an important step to growth. Well, last Sunday, speaking of growth, we started this series called Healthy Changes, How the Gospel Makes Us Whole. And uh, when uh, Pastor James asked me to kind of do a series this, during this season. This was really heavy on my heart to be able to communicate because I am convinced that one of the major reasons why we experience so much uh, difficulty and challenge uh, as believers is because we have not allowed the incredible truth of the gospel to filter through our relationships and to even speak into our past into those deep, dark areas. What we do is we kind of compartmentalize our lives, and, and so we kind of have our church box that we check off on Sunday, but then when we go home Sunday night and into the office on Monday or go to school on Tuesday, it's like, it's like well, how did that message actually impact and affect what it is that uh, I say I'm about? And, 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 and that's where I, this series, my hurt, hope and my burden is that we will begin to learn and understand what it means for the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, to make us whole completely, not just as it relates to our relationship with God, but also as it relates, our, our, it relates to our relationship with others and even our relationship with ourselves. The person that when we see in the mirror, that that also has to be redeemed and fixed and, and changed because we have internalized a lot of just untruths about us that the gospel, the good news, seeks to rearrange. And so as we've kind of gone through this series, you know, I, I looked at this book, Changes That Heal. It's a, it's a classic um, in a lot of Christian circles. And again, I mentioned it, there's a plug again. If you haven't picked it up, I encourage you to. And in it, Dr. Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist and he, and he explores what he refers to as these four developmental stages that are needed for growth. Now, we talked last Sunday about the necessary environments for growth. But even if you have those necessary environments, that doesn't, the tasks don't in there. That's just the beginning. That's just the course that's being set. And so we're gonna tackle two of these developmental tasks today and look at the issue of bonding and boundaries and how that uh, relates to us. Now, the premise and the overarching uh, point to all of this is that growth happens in the context of relationships. Put differently, we simply cannot grow in maturity without dealing with other people. Put differently, God himself actually has created us in such a way that we need other people 
in order to grow. We can't just grow in isolation by ourselves. Um, and so bonding is the first and most crucial step to this issue of, of growing into adulthood and growing in these developmental tasks. Now, I want you guys to uh, kind of check out this scene. Uh, show, I'm going to show a clip that kind of illustrates and, and paints this picture about the importance of bonding and how it oftentimes doesn't end up being what it is that we need it to be. You can run it. I'm calling from the room. Yeah, why don't you do that? Yeah, I'll do it. Danielle! What's up? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you Um, some business came up, I gotta have it. So we're gonna have to put a, a trip on hold. You understand? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Blue. Yeah, uh... Okay, you can. How come he don't want me? This issue of bonding becomes a problem when the very environment that God has placed for us to experience this aspect of nurture ends up being quite the opposite. Bonding is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. But here's what I want us to understand is that Will had the necessary environment for growth. He found himself in a mansion where all of his physical needs were met and then some. He was surrounded by a loving family and kind of adopted into the situation. He even got truth on a regular basis. He grew up over time but because there was this disconnect that happened when he was very young and that laid in the background dormant and undealt with, he was not able to bond. And if you notice in his initial reaction, he actually tries to dismiss that it was actually an important thing that just happened. You know, just tried to distract and just kind of go toward his achievements or accomplishments or these other things, but the reality is that we all need to experience this attachment to people and to God. But here's the problem. Most bonding problems arise when a person projects a past relationship onto a present relationship. Let me break that down. So what happens is we experience this trauma 
in our past like Will did. And so, because that's what happened to his dad, notice when his dad walked out, he, tr- he just kind of distanced himself from his uncle too. Oh, nothing's good. I, I don't want to let you in anymore. I don't want to be vulnerable and really explain how hurt I am because it's not safe to let myself be vulnerable anymore. But then it poured into his planning and his thinking about relationships, right? So now, oh, I'm going to get all these honeys that dress in less. So now it comes into romance. And now it's about just getting what I can from somebody else and not actually being able to connect with another person because I'm going to keep my distance because you might treat me just like my dad did. And so we bring this stuff in. We bring this baggage in like from 2016 to 2017. And we just continue on in the same process if we don't examine and and look at these things. And we can point to and and look at relationships and try to to achieve status and try to achieve wholeness in all of these other realms, but they don't work. They don't work because that's not how we were designed. And in fact, Jesus himself, this is how the gospel makes us whole, is the embodiment of bonding. One with his heavenly father, he tells us in John 10, verse 30, I and the father are one. He completely connects. Every time you see from the beginning of his ministry, the father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He's totally connected with that sense. And he then gives us the picture of how his relationship with his father impacts our relationship with him and each other. All of those things are related. And it comes across and it comes through in John chapter 15. That's what we're going to be examining today. It's a passage in the middle of the farewell discourse when uh, John records Jesus giving some of his last words to his disciples before his crucifixion. And this is what he says in John 15, verse 1 through 2. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, first of all, what is he saying there? He's, he's drawing this imagery from the Old Testament. Oftentimes, Israel was referred to as the vine in the vineyard. Uh, you can look in Isaiah chapter 5, and you see from the first few verses that God refers to them as a vine that is not bearing good fruit. And Jesus now clarifies and says, I am the true vine. True meaning not the old vine that did not bear fruit, but I am the, bear, I am the vine that bears actually good fruit. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. That means he's like the farmer over the vineyard that's uh, keeping in his sovereign watch uh, control over this process. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Notice that there's pain involved in either one of those processes. Pruning happens when a a tree or a branch that actually has good fruit, but it's not maximally being uh, exploited. And so it's, you know, so the vine dresser will snip and cut different aspects of the branch so that all of the nutrients can be kind of concentrated into an area where actually good fruit can be produced. So in order to produce fruit, you have to be pruned. There's going to be cutting involved. There's some things you got to cut off. There's some relationships you got to cut off. There's some things in life you got to cut off. But there's, that's not even the end. He goes on to say in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So once again, Jesus is saying abide. What does he mean? He's saying bond with me. Experience intimate affection and connection with me. Abide means to dwell with, to to stay with, to be in. And he says, look, abide in me and I in you. And as that happens... You can bear fruit, but if it doesn't, the, the, if you cut off a branch from a vine, it can, it's not bearing anything. And so he says the same thing is true with us. He says, I'm the van, vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, that's how we bear fruit. 
So it is through the connection with Jesus, it's through that sense of bonding with him that we are even positioned to be able to bear fruit. Well, what does that look like? I know we, a lot of us are city dwellers, we don't do a whole lot of agriculture, right? So hopefully this picture will paint, paint it more accurately. So in, in the center of this aspect of the vine, you see this like thicker stalk. It runs like an artery through the plant. And that's the, that's the vine. And that vine comes straight from the root and it's giving all the nutrients and all the connection to the rest of the plant. Now from that, you can see hanging down are branches. Those branches then produce fruit, grapes. But if you were to cut off a branch from the vine, it wouldn't produce anything because it's very connection, it's very source of sustenance, it's very source of life comes from that vine. But also notice that the vine, the branches also have other branches that are connected to them. They're not just running solo and shotgun, but there's, there's this sense where they are interconnected with each other. And in the same way, we as branches are interconnected with each other. And so, and this is key. So, so Jesus says, abide with me abide in me and let me abide in you. Well, how do we abide, right? That's a key question. That sounds very mystical. And, and well, the cool thing is he explains it further on in the same chapter. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. <laughs> Jesus makes it very simple. What's the first commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to abide in my love, do what I have already clearly communicated for you to do. Now check it out. Then he goes on even further. He gets very specific. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, bonding with each other. As we, again, we can't get away from it. it. It's the essential core of what we're called to do, bond with God, bond with each other. And so that's what Jesus means by abiding in his love and abiding in him. But the reality is we, when we, we fail to do this sometimes. And when we fail to bond with God and others, we are in a perpetual state of hunger. If you could imagine a, a, a branch just disconnected from a vine trying to produce any kind of fruit, you realize it, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. And so oftentimes we will try to cover up and mask our hunger with trying to pursue more, but we end up depressed. We end up lonely. We end up isolated. We end up disconnected from what it is because God has made us to bond. He's made us to interconnect. Now, there's several reasons why we fail to bond. And uh, Dr. Cloud breaks it down in this way, and, I, and I, it's, so, it's so clear when you think about it, right? So it's like, why we fail to bond? One is past injury. We've kind of already talked about this. So we have a situation where we have experienced or we've learned that our world is not safe. Because see, bonding starts when we're in the womb. The first person we bond to are our mothers. And, and, and you know, after we've given birth and there's a sense of affection and, and the sense of closeness and intimacy, and as we continue to grow, it become, we, be, we become to learn, we begin to learn, okay, the world is safe, now I can interact and bond with other people. But if something happens and where that gets wounded or that gets damaged, then all of a sudden we go, no, I can't, you're not safe, the world's not safe, I can't, I can't trust anybody. And so one of them is past injury that's happened. Have you been hurt in the past that makes you want to keep your distance from other people? The next thing is distorted thinking. Now, remember we mentioned before that in the fall that it affected our relationship with God, with ourselves as individuals, looking in the, the person that looks in the mirror, and with other people. And so the distortion relates to all of those areas as well. So we say things like, I am unlovable. We look at ourselves and say, I must be bad because so oftentimes we experience this when people have uh, parents who get divorced or somebody that abandons them, they, they internalize that sense of rejection and say, it must be my fault. I did something. So I'm the problem. So therefore, I need to disconnect. But other times we, we look at other people and we say, okay, no one is trustworthy. Everybody is out to get me. And then we begin to reinterpret when somebody does show us love, we don't trust and go, they faking. They, they not, that's not real. And so we reject other people. And then finally, we look at God. 
and say, he doesn't love me. He just wants to kind of use me for his purposes. He, he doesn't really actually care about where I am. And so we create this distorted thinking. And then the other thing is we have defense mechanisms. Denial. I don't need nothing from nobody. I'm good. I'm straight. I don't have to, you know, that's, that's nice for some people that, you know, you might be a little clingy, but that's not me. And so we think that we're good being in our home, watching our Netflix, being by ourselves, and that that's all that life has to offer. And that's all that we need. But it's not true. It's not true. So here's the truth. Regardless of how dynamic we are, what we accomplish, or our net worth, if we are not connected to God and people, we are suffering a sickness of the soul. Don't matter. And you see this all the time. You see people that have millions of dollars. They got all the status in the class. They seem to be on the, the trending you know, topic of who's cool and who's in and who's not and who's hot. And it doesn't matter. Because if you're not bonded in this way, you still are suffering and experiencing this sense of sickness. And that's because our well-being depends on the status of our heart. And the status of our heart depends on the depth of our bonds with God and with other people. Um, I, had a, I saw this kind of play itself out uh, in, in the past. Before we moved to New York, we were leading a, a music ministry. We would bring together people from all over the country and put together bands for like summer mission trips. And then we would go all over the country and do touring. And uh, the first time that Tamika and I did this, we, uh, we had a band and, and Jules was one of our uh, you know, band members. She was actually a drummer, right? It was kind of cool. We had this female drummer. She was really tight. But we, and so part of what you do when you create this, this experience, we had about 15 people on the trip with us, is you know, we stay, stay in the same you know, uh, mission project living. We travel together in vans. And so it's a very close bonding experience, at least it's supposed to be. But we noticed in the first few weeks that Jules wasn't about any of that. She was very standoffish. She hated to be touched. Uh, she, you know, she just wasn't trying to have it. I talked to her, her a couple of days ago to say, hey, can, you know, can I share your story? She's like, oh, man, that'd be great. And I said, well, what was it that caused you to kind of come into the experience that way? She was like, because I was always misunderstood growing up. I was because I was quiet. Um, and also, I'm, I'm a, I was quirky, right? So she's one of those people that, like, the peas and the carrots can't touch. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, like, now, not that she would eat peas and carrots, because she had, like, six, seven things that she would eat. Like, that was it. And if that wasn't on her list, like, fried chicken, you know, chicken nuggets and fries, then you weren't, she wasn't going to eat, which kind of was a problem on the road, because we had to, like, have a separate <laughs> set of instructions for her. But she was quirky, and so people just kind of dismissed her and just kind of, you're weird. And so she had learned that she wasn't, that the world wasn't safe and that she couldn't bond with other people. But she had a problem on the trip, though, because in our trip, we had a very touchy-feely, huggy, warm person named Angelique, right? She's on her shoulder right there. And essentially, she, Angelique would not, and then the rest of the group, they would not let her continue to separate. Right, and, and, and so over time, it was funny because at first she would just kind of go, oh, she would just kind of recoil when she would try to get hugged. But then you saw it kind of like, okay. And by the end, it was the last day uh, when we had to all go home, she was literally, when her ride came, hiding someplace so that she, couldn't, she didn't have to leave because she had experienced this aspect of, of, of love in a community and it transformed her. But that was just the beginning. She ended up coming back and serving with us for a year. And after that year, she goes into a, a master's program at a, a Christian college, gets her master's in counseling, and now she counsels other people who are experiencing that same difficulty with bonding. And she's doing that in a, in a healthy marriage um, and is completely transformed through this process of bonding. Praise God. Now, I, I bring that up because essentially what happened was she said, you know what, I acted like I didn't want it, but I really needed it. So, so part of this is as community, we can't just let people dupe us into thinking that they don't want to be in community. But then we also have to pursue and pursue and continue on. Because without relationship, without attachment to God and others, we can't be our true selves. We can't be truly human. We can't be who we were created to be without that. 
And why is that? Because we were made for relationship because God himself is in relationship with himself for eternity. The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit have been in loving community and fellowship since the beginning of time. And so this relational God created relational universe and relational people. So it's hardwired into who we are to be connected and to depend on other people. In fact, when we see in the scripture in 1 John 4, 16, check this out. It says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. You see, there's this bonding, there's this connectedness where it's like you can't even know who God is if you don't experience this aspect of love. And it is him who orients us and gives us perspective into how to connect with other people. Bonding is, is a basic human need. And, and here's, I want you to stay with me for a second because this requires more than a change of thinking. This requires a change of heart where we have to do the work of going to that hard place, going to that place where we taught ourselves or we internalized the world that this is not a safe place to be. Going back to that moment of vulnerability and then bringing that into the light with other people and sharing that and, and deconstructing that and thinking about it in a different way. That's what it takes to to do that, and you have to do that in the context of community. You see, like, it can't just be by yourself in your room. Like, okay, I'm gonna fix this bonding thing by myself. Now, it don't work that way. We need each other to do that. So here's a couple of things, um, steps in the area, steps toward bonding. First is to realize the need. Let's no longer be in the sense of denial that this doesn't apply to us, that we don't need this, that we're not that type of person but also move toward others. What I mean by that is if you're that kind of person where soon as service like leaves, you make a beeline out the door to be by yourself so you don't have to interact with anybody, then, you know, and then the next thing is city group, it's the same deal, then linger a little bit longer. You're like, I don't know anybody. How about you introduce yourself to somebody? Now, I know this is a bit more of a challenge to my introvert family than us as extroverts, and so, you know, it can be. Um, I wanna be sensitive to that. But what I want to say is just to lean into other people. Like, let us not, any of us, have an excuse to just, like, just avoid other people and avoid contact. Another one is to be vulnerable. See, because, you know, we do that thing, we do the church game, you know, it's like, you know, how you doing? I'm great. You know, you came in like, then you still open the door, hey, how y'all doing? Ah. And then we just kind of put on the mask and we just kind of act like everything is good, but it's not. And so being, bonding means being vulnerable, really sharing what's going on. Let's not just do the, you know, cut and paste answer, right? How you doing? I'm blessed, highly favored, anointed, praise God, <laughs> praise God, yes, mm-hmm. Praises go up, blessings come down, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, you know how we do, but it's being vulnerable. <laughs> And then lastly, be comfortable with anger. Now, this is important because sometimes people say, well, you know, I have a temper, so I don't really like when they get connected and get close to people because then they might see a side of me that I don't really want them to see. But the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. It's not a sin to be angry. In fact, if you're going to look into some of these areas of your past, you're going to get angry and you ought to. Because I've talked to enough people, I've heard of enough tragic situations of abuse and molestation and just betrayal in people's lives where I know that this is real. And, that, and that's a very healthy thing. Actually, it's healthier to be angry about it than to just suppress it and act like it didn't happen. And that has to spill over into other people seeing you sometimes <laughs> ugly cry. Yes, that might happen. <laughs> ugly cry. I mean, just the uncontrolled, and you don't want nobody to see that. But that's how we get healed. <laughs> and so we, we, you know, we just have to be able to be comfortable with our anger. Well, bonding is the first healthy change that we must make, but the second is just as crucial, and that's boundaries. Now, why is it important to have boundaries? Well, you know, I, this, you could just roll this clip. I, this might give us a picture of why it's important to have boundaries. Check this out. Ever since I was born, I 
have been trained to serve you. Yes, I know this. But I would like to know about you. What do you like? Whatever you like. <laughs> what kind of music do you like? Whatever kind of music you like. Look, I know what I like. And I know you know what I like, but you were trained to know what I like. But I would like to know what you like. For instance, do you have a favorite food? Yes. Good! What is your favorite food? Whatever food you like. Are you saying that no matter what I tell you to do, you will do? Yes, Your Highness. Anything I say to you? Yes, Your Highness. Walk like a girl. issue here wasn't bonding, but if your answer to, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, tends to be whatever you like, oh, yeah. then you might have a problem with boundaries. Now, notice she didn't develop this problem by herself. She said that she was raised since the time she was born to be a person that was essentially just a yes person. That was how she was conditioned. And so as a result of that, he's trying to find, you know, and this starts the whole launch of coming to America, right? So then he decides, well, I, you know, because, you know, this is who I'm supposed to be married to and, and I want to actually interact with somebody that has an opinion and perspectives, then let me try to go find somebody, you know, find someplace else. But the issue is that she didn't have boundaries. What do I mean by that? Um, is the boundaries define what is me and what is not me. Like what I like and what I don't like. What I want to do and what I don't want to do. Like those are, like those are my boundaries. <laughs> that, that helps me understand who I am. And if, again, just like in the same way as bonding, that can be thwarted or broken very early in our developmental process by you know, some type of influences outside of our control. Now, the thing that we see is that Jesus himself has boundaries. Look at, look at what he says in the verse again. I am the vine, you are the branches. He's like, all right, sorry, what? I have my job. My job is to be the wellspring of life through which all of nutri nutrients and support and power and source come from. You have a different job than me. You have a different role than me. This is not you know, a standpoint where we're saying we're all the same thing. No, no, you're branches, I'm vine. I know who I am, this is what I do, this is what you do, bear fruit. And look what he says, he says, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. See, this is part of the problem when we have this kind of like weak, watered down version of Jesus where he's just like, you know, just meek and mild and he just doesn't, you know, have, he's like, look, if you don't connect yourself to me, I will make it so you can't do anything because I am the source of everything. So I could have worked it some other way, but this is the way it's working, boo. You want to experience fruit in your life, then you need to abide in the vine. He knows himself. He knows what he's willing to do, what he's not willing to do. And you see this throughout his time. I mean, uh, throughout the Gospels, it's just fascinating when people come to him. He's like, it's not my time yet. He's also his mom. John chapter 2, right? You know, it's like, look, it's not my time yet for me to reveal who, who I am. You know, his brother tried to come at him like, yo, if you're the Messiah, won't you just go reveal yourself? He's like, my time is not yet. So he knew who he was, people healing, he healing people, and then he go have a quiet time. And everybody's like, where are you at? And he just was away praying because he, he didn't need the approval of other people in order to do that. So the essence of boundaries and limits is, excuse me, knowing what's in your yard and what isn't in your yard. That's what I, what do I mean by what's in your yard? So, you know, we have homes, right? And in these homes, we have this fence that's around, you know, the yard. And, and essentially, whatever is in that fence is our responsibility. So, you know, uh, for many of us, some of us, tomorrow's trash day. And, and you're supposed, and you have this, um, this fence. And so anything that is like, if, if the trash is going to get from your living room or your kitchen down outside 
to the can, and then out of that fence, then it has to, that's your job to do. Nobody's doing, coming in and doing that for you. And I know when it's cold and it's snowing outside, you wish somebody was there doing that for you, but that's your job to do that. That's what's in your yard. Anything in this capacity, in this space, is, is my responsibility. Now, what isn't my responsibility is that was in my neighbor's yard. So it's not my job to go into my neighbor's house, to go into their kitchen, and to go take out their trash. That's, not, that's, that's their yard. That's their responsibility. What's in my yard is my responsibility. Well, what, what is, how does this work relationally? Well, the reality is there are boundaries that we have that determine who we are and, and what's in our yard and what isn't. So one of them is our bodies, our physical space. That's one of the things that's in our yards, which is one of the reasons why abuse, physical abuse, is so, uh, so har harmful is because it's a violation of somebody's boundaries of what is their responsibility. Another one is our opinions, right? We just saw this, our thoughts. So what do you think about this? Whatever you like. You ever see people where like you, you're trying to get to know them better, but they tend to kind of, especially you do this in the dating game scenario, and they try to like kind of mold their perspective. So they'll say something completely opposite. I had this dude, man, we were in high school, his name was Kyrie. He did this all the time. So we'd be like, yo, who you think the, the, the greatest uh, basketball player of all time? He's like, yo, man, it was Michael Jordan. He's like, yup, yup, true, true. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, Chamberlain scored 100 points. You got a point? He did. I think you're right. I think you, we know people like this. They just kind of like just change depending on who's around them. They don't own their opinions. Our, our abilities, our, uh, the things that we can do, our talents, that is our, that's in our yard. That's in our boundaries. Our feelings as well. This is some of the tricky things when we say, you know, somebody made me mad because of what they did. They made me mad. Mm, I don't know about that. They did something. And that's something that they did. But you, we have to own our emotions, right? You know, we can't blame how we respond to something on somebody else. Now, they may have violated some other space that they shouldn't have, but our feelings are what we have to own. When we fail to develop healthy boundaries, we say yes to entitlement or yes to enablement. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me break that down. We say yes to entitlement in a scenario like this. So this is a situation, and we know people like this, where we go, okay, if someone asks you, why you keep getting fired from your job? Why you keep getting let go? And you say, um, it's because my bosses all have an attitude problem. They have an attitude problem because they got an attitude whenever I come late. Like, <laughs> they need to work that out. It's like, okay, you're not saying, you're not accepting what's in your yard. Like, you're, you know, that, that's not their problem, that's your problem. But let's say, but that's, so that's entitlement, but what's enablement? Well, enablement is your roommate has a hard time keeping their job, right? Now, you're concerned about that, one, because, you know, y'all cool, y'all go way back, college days, whatever, but also, if they can't keep the job, it messes with the rent. So, as a result of that, what you do is you remind them every night, hey, probably time to turn in, wanna get some rest, uh, you know, get, get to work on time. Then you set their alarm for them. <laughs> the next morning, you, you knock on their door and say, hey, uh, you, you know, uh, the train MTA is running a little bit behind, you might wanna buffer, get some extra buffer time, you know? And then if they come a little bit late, you call up the boss and be like, hey, you know, there was uh, some delays like that. Now you have gone into the realm of somebody else's yard. And so managing good boundaries, and we all tend toward one or the other. And you know, this is one clue when you are in somebody else's yard and you're doing too much. When you get more upset about their bad decisions than they do. You might be in their yard, you know. You, you're trying to do stuff that ain't even, you know, you, you're trying to solve problems that they don't even care that they have you might be in their yard. <laughs> On the flip side, you might not be in yours if something is always somebody else's fault. I, don't, I was watching, we were watching uh, the new edition special uh, this week, an incredible joint. And I love my man Bobby Brown, but he don't be like in his yard though. Like, 
<laughs> he was still trying to explain what, you know, what happened was, I don't know why they wanted me out the group, because, you know, they just, they, they just didn't like me or something. It's like, bruh, they took all your parts because you weren't showing up <laughs> to the concerts on a regular basis. Like, this was a regular occurrence. So, so this is what, but when somebody always has an excuse and it's always somebody else's fault, they may not be taking advantage of what's in their yard, taking responsibility for what's in their yard. And so it's, it's very important that we understand uh, this because we need bonding for healthy boundaries, but we also need healthy boundaries for bonding. Like you can't just be a healthily bonded person but not have boundaries. And, flips, and the flip side, you, might, you can't have good boundaries but no bonding. What do I mean by that? Well, here's why. To have boundaries means that I can hold on to my true self while remaining in community with those around me. I can accomplish both of those things. I'm not a hermit that's all by myself and that's all, nobody knows that I exist and I'm completely detached, but I'm also not somebody that's just whatever you like and I'm doing, trying to do everything to please everybody. There's some space in the middle in between where we can meet and, and find that sense of a sweet spot. And this is why, and we see a perfect picture of this in marriage. And, you know, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there's a bonding thing that's happening, but there's also a boundary thing that has to facilitate the bonding thing. What do I mean by that? So I experienced this personally, right? So growing up, I uh, grew up in a single-parent home. My mom married my stepfather when I was like 16. So for most of the time growing up, it was just my older brother, myself, and my mom. And love mom, my world, she tells me to do something, I do it, because otherwise it was real. <laughs> so then, right, uh, Tamika and I get engaged, and we're planning the wedding. Now, we're 23, right out of college, I ain't got a whole lot of money, and so um, we had this scenario where we had more people that we wanted to invite to the wedding than we could actually afford to pay for to eat at the reception, right? So our solution to this was to invite some people to the wedding at the church, but then invite a smaller number of people to the reception, because that's what we could afford. My mom wasn't feeling that. You don't do that. You invite, and look, if they invited to the wedding, they invited to the reception. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. You know, that, he's like, that's, that's, that's not cool. That's, that's bad taste. You don't do that. So then I remember going to my fiance and be like, yeah, my mom's saying, you know, we, we can't do that. So, and I remember the look on her face. <laughs> and I had a moment of, oh, this is what it means to leave and cleave. And so I went back to mom and said, well, mom, I understand that's, you know, kind of the way it's typically done, but we, we want our friends to be a part of our experience and they understand, and so we're going to do it this way. And it was this demarcation in the sand to say, okay, this is how the berries are rolling. You know, this is us. This is kind of our thing. And that's what, and, and so, but if I would have just continued to listen to what mom said and not dealt with my relationship, I, that would have affected my bonding with my soon-to-be wife. And so you have to be able to have good boundaries if you're going to bond well. Well, what are our barriers to creating boundaries? I hope I help somebody out in their current situation or the situation to come, because <laughs> that's real. Um, well, similar to bonding, there's past injury. Now, this injury oftentimes looks like manipulation or guilt from when you've asserted yourself and made choices. What do I mean by that? Is like, so let's say, for example, you chose to go to an out-of-state college, and then when you decided to make that, you made that decision, and you hear this like, oh, so now I'm going to be alone by myself, and I guess you don't care that much about me. And so what people can do is they can use guilt and manipulation to essentially send the message, you are bad for making these decisions. A decision that you make that adversely affects me, that's your bad. See, again, they're not taking responsibility for what's in the yard. They're feelings about your life. And so what we can end up doing because of that is beginning to internalize this aspect that, oh, okay, well, it's bad for me to make these decisions, so I just won't make decisions that other people don't like to keep the peace. But in doing that, you are transgressing your own boundaries. 
Another one is distorted thinking. Again, God, self, and others. We do this with ourselves. I am selfish for having boundaries. We can tell ourselves, I, I, it's wrong, it's, it's, it's a bad thing, I'm not, you know, I'm just being, especially as Christians too, it's like, then it gets really super deep guilt, right? I'm supposed to serve, you know what I mean? Put others ahead of myself. That's not what that verse means. It doesn't mean to allow yourself to be a doormat. If you're to love your neighbor as yourself, that implies that you kind of love yourself so you can love your neighbor. And so that's the other part. I, I am selfish for having boundaries. But then with others, they will hate me for saying no. Some of us are so afraid about what other people will say when we decide to have that boundary that, you know, we just kind of go back off and go, well, I'm just, I just want to, again, I just want to keep harmonious relationships involved. But the reality is, if, even if that were to be the case, that would be their problem. That's, again, in their yard. That's not your yard. Your yard is to take care of your situation and make decisions based on what God has called you to do. And lastly, with God, some of us say, God doesn't want me to have anything of my own. So we, we kind of spiritualize this, this aspect of just not wanting to understand that God has a calling for, uh, in our lives. And that has something that we spiritualize. Like we, Sometimes people just think like God is just like... Uh, an aggressive, angry drill sergeant who just wants to yell at you and make you do things that, sh- that are hard for you to do. And so because of that, even when we find a good situation, we recoil from that and go, well, it may not, it can't be God's will because I actually want to do it. <laughs> but, but Jesus said that, again, John 15, read the rest of the passage. He says, I, I say these things, we can abide so that your joy might be full. I, didn't, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Like, that's, that's, not a, that's, that's, that's not true. But then the flip side is, God wants me to have everything. We see this in health and wealth prosperity gospel ideas. So now people just think that they can just name stuff and claim it, and because they are a child of the king, that means God is required to give them whatever they want. But it don't work that way because God has his boundaries, he knows what he wants to be able to give you, and sometimes to his kids, just like to my kid, I can say, no. (laughs) You can't have this. And we can't presume upon God to then take out some plastic and say, well, you know, God's going to just, I'm trusting for my miracle, so let me swipe away and get myself in debt. That's not from him. So God wants me to have everything is also a uh, broken way of understanding this aspect of boundaries. It's going too far. It's encroaching on his territory. And so in the midst of that, there's several steps, again, several things about uh, how we make steps toward boundaries. First is to develop your no muscle. Instead, Instead of saying yes to entitlement, instead of saying yes to enablement, Learn to say no. We're going to just on the count of three. I want everybody in here to just say no, like real strong. And if you, have a, if you struggle with this, I want you to say it louder, right? So one, two, three. No. <laughs> and, and so just we have to learn to say no and realize that, you know what? I have to own, in order for me to own what God has called me to own, I have to say no to some things. And I have to say no to some people. Secondly, stop blaming others. Stop blaming others. So, like I mentioned this situation earlier that, uh, like, if you were in a housing situation with a roommate, and, um, and let's say the roommate just kept, they lost their job, and you, they, had to, they moved out of your apartment, so now you still got at least for another four months. And, um, but now you got no roommate, and you're responsible for the whole rent. Now, there's two choices you can make at that moment. You can whine and complain and call all your friends and tell them about how this person did you dirty and just stay there until you get evicted. Or you can start making some calls and ask some people, hey, you know somebody that needs a roommate? See, even though when someone sins against us, that, that, that's, that's something that they've done that's wrong, that there's this aspect and there's an element where our situation, even if it's the result of someone else's sin, is still in our yard. It's still our property to deal with that situation. 
And so if we continue to continue to just go back, and I, I've seen this, you know, it, it, times before where people kind of just have this moment in life where they could have been a star, they could have been something, and then somebody did something wrong to them, and it's like 10, 20 years later, and, and they're still stuck in that same moment. They don't grow, they don't move forward, they don't move beyond it, because they just stay stuck in just wanting to hold somebody to why things didn't work that way. Well, the reality is we live in a broken world, and we all experience aspects of that. And so even if the darkest, worst thing has happened to you, the fact that you are still breathing, you are still here, that means that there's still opportunity for God to redeem that situation. And I got news for you that whatever we have gone through, you and myself, there's something called Judas. There's somebody called Judas who betrayed somebody with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver, had him hung on a cross while people were mocking him and saying, crucify him, crucify him. And if somehow God turned that situation around and used it for our good, then maybe he can work out a bad roommate situation. I'm just saying. Maybe he can take a painful circumstance and flip it. And then lastly, be, become active, not reactive. Being active means to realize that I'm not just on other people's schedules waiting for them to tell me what to do with my life. But there's this aspect where I understand and believe that God has a plan for me that he's calling me to do. And I'm responsible for that. Yeah. And that's part of what it means to be made in his image. That he's given us a plan and he's given us the opportunities and the choices that we make every time we wake up our eyes. Are we moving further, closer to that purpose or further away? And so I just want to encourage us to ask one question as we close. Which task do you need to grow in? Bonding or boundaries? We, we can't have one without the other. So do you need to just, and just allow us, we have the praise team come back up and minister to us. Just, just allow the spirit of God to just answer that question for us and answer what is the next step that we have to take in order to move forward. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.